What is up, Baton Rouge? Welcome to the 12th episode of the Tiger Pride podcast presented by 225 Magazine. I'm Mark Clements here as always with Jarrett Roser of datboot.com, Louisiana versus all y'all. Bama week is behind us. LSU could not get the job done on the road in Tuscaloosa. It was a hard-fought game. The Tigers came up short 24-10. to Jarrett and I will break down all aspects of that game, including what were some of the bright spots and what to look forward in the LSU-Alabama matchups of the future. Then we'll turn our glances ahead to the Arkansas matchup. The Razorbacks are coming to town this weekend. Uh, struggling a bit so far this this season, we'll tell you what to look for in that matchup and what to expect from LSU as they close the season out with three more regular season games. And LSU basketball tips off this Friday. Jarrett and I will give you a glance at the Tiger Hoops team. Uh, what to expect from Will Wade's first season at the helm for the LSU basketball program, what players to watch, and what the outlook on the season should be as the Will Wade era opens this Friday in the PMAC. So LSU falls to Alabama 24-10 on the road at Tuscaloosa for the seventh straight time. LSU can't beat the Tide. I thought LSU played pretty well in the game, and we're going to break down a lot um, a lot of aspects of this game. because I thought it was a really, um, really hard-fought game, a lot more competitive than I think a lot of people may have expected. They could have seen this game getting a little ugly. Um, but to me, the real difference in the game came down to quarterback play. And I know every single week we've talked about Danny, and it kind of become <laughs> almost a joke about the way we talk about him. But uh, it really was – I mean, aside from the passing yards, just the the plays Jalen Hurts made, the one that st- stands out in everyone's mind is that – I think it was John Battle and Devin White had him just dead to rights in the backfield. Just And he does some kind of spin – breaks away, gets a first down, and um, I think they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive after that, and that was on a second and, and long. Um, and then Etling misses a few open receivers, especially guys downfield, which the, they were open. The One in the first quarter, I believe, with DJ Chark um, running deep, and Etling just, just can't connect with him. And then obviously the interception, that, that makes it a quick 14-0 flip. Um, it kind of puts LSU behind the eight ball from the get-go and just never really – Again, just classic Etling. Never wasn't terribly bad, but just wasn't a playmaker enough to to win a game against the you know the number one team in the country. And I thought I really thought quarterback play was was the big difference. I thought LSU's defense played well enough to 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 win the game if the offense um, played better. And again, the offense approach, I guess, as a whole was was pretty good. Outgained Alabama in the game, but. Um, that's uh, my long spiel about the, the overall thoughts. I thought it was <clears throat> Hertz made plays and Etling and Etling didn't. Yeah, I mean everything that you just mentioned. The if you look at the statistics, first downs LSU sixteen to fourteen advantage. Third down LSU goes nine for nineteen to Alabama's five for fourteen. Which I talked about. I thought that the third down situations were going to be huge in this game, and it ended up even LSU having a better night doing so than than could have been the case didn't matter uh 306 yards to 299 and and on down the list um and neither team had a ton of penalties LSU with five Alabama one but when that interception happened I thought that was was pretty bad news you're already down seven nothing after Alabama puts together a pretty nice drive and then you give them the ball that close and put yourself in a 14 to 0 hole against 
a team of that caliber. And then LSU still had some opportunities to try and yeah. close that gap, but whether it be some, some missed throws or some drop passes or any number of things, they could never really capitalize and get any kind of momentum going. Alabama's defense, I thought, uh, while – Alabama, while LSU allowed the Crimson Tide to get away with some things, I thought for the most part Alabama's defense was really good. You saw in some spots when when Matt Canada and company were giving Alabama about three different directions they had to worry about, everything looked like it was covered very quickly. And so you saw the same as we've seen in some recent years uh, with, with Leonard Fournette. You saw Darius struggle to find much room for a while. He ends up having a, a better night with, with 71 yards than – a lot of LSU running backs have had against this uh, team of late, and then Darrell was was big for for the Tigers again. Darrell Williams with 83 yards and the touchdown on the ground uh, caught a couple shorter passes. But and even if you look at the the quarterback statistics passing wise, Danny Etling 12 for 16 with that one interception that that hurts for 137 yards. Uh, no pun intended on the hurts situation. <laughs> Jalen hurts 11 for 24 with the touchdown. But then Jalen Hurts was also able to rush 14 times for 44 yards and a touchdown. And it's 44 net because LSU's defense was able to get after him a bit and mm-hmm. um, and get four sacks on the night. Uh, 71 positive yards for Jalen Hurts. And he just kind of like he did in Baton Rouge a year earlier, it was an ability to do it in key moments uh, – you know, crucial turning point type situations where it looks like LSU's got Alabama stopped. You you mentioned the one where it looks like uh, Devin White and John Battle look like they have Jalen Hurts stopped, and he just kind of spins away and makes just enough positive happen to to really be kind of a momentum breaker. Yeah, and I'm not big on taking away moral victories, but I think there was a lot to like about LSU's performance, and I think. Honestly, if you show LSU this box score and you cover up the the final score and you show them you have 34 minutes of possession to their 25, you outgain them 306 to 299. Um, I, I think they would probably, they'd probably take that most days most days of the week. You outrush them, which is impressive. That was, I mean, they were one of the the top of the conference and one of the best in the nation um, in rushing offense. And you hold them to 116 yards of an amazing performance by Dave Aranda's defense. The biggest complaints I had in the game is, I mean, number one, failing to capitalize on the on the plays they gave you. And when you're playing a team as talented as Alabama, you can't not capitalize on open receivers and and you know inside the five yard line, you have to settle for a field goal instead of a touchdown. It just that's, yeah. those kind of things are huge. Um, I thought DJ Shark. We talked about special teams before the game and how that was an advantage LSU had with. Shark returning kicks, and I think he just kind of misplayed some of those. Um, I mean, give Alabama's uh, punter credit. Uh, he pinned him, pinned LSU deep quite a few times, but I thought Shark could have – there were some that he could have made plays on that he that he let bounce and some that he probably should have let bounce that he fair caught and just kind of put LSU in bad field position. And then, I mean, I, maybe you can argue the game was somewhat out of reach at that at this point, but that, that last drive, whenever – they go to 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 Miles Brennan. You have Etling in the entire game, and no, he was not playing super well. But to go to Miles Brennan at at that point just seems um, I don't know, man. The bat, we talked about how they've how they balanced uh, the quarterbacks all season long, 
and well, I think there's what four and a half minutes left, something like that. Whenever they when they put Brennan in, and I I just don't understand that. If you want to go with him at the start of the second half, or maybe after a drive in the second half, and just look for a spark, I get that. But why are you I, why are you putting a freshman quarterback in the game on the road when you're <laughs> you need two scores and you have four and a half minutes and, you, and you're going to this guy who's never played a team of this as the caliber of Alabama and you're on the road and I mean Etling again like we like I said not playing great but he was in the rhythm of the offense he had seen the defense the entire game that call was was baffling to me yeah I I mean by the time that we saw Miles Brennan I thought the game was was pretty much sealed up because it was right at that four and a half minute point and LSU had managed 10 points for the previous 55 minutes and so them scoring 14 in the last four minutes was was not looking particularly likely I I don't know I I know you and I were talking about coach Orgeron kind of downplayed it and and didn't really address it to much of an extent I guess um to me, it was just kind of putting putting Miles out there and continuing to get him more and more looks. It certainly resulted in a lot of backlash from fans talking about how much better he was than Danny Etling when he comes in and completes three of five, and people are already kind of frustrated with Danny uh, and his performance over the course of the game. So I I don't know I don't know what it what it necessarily accomplished or helped unless unless you think that miles being out there in that situation now if you're just kind of continuing to work him through bugs or jitters or whatever um and hope that it helps him down the line but at this juncture i mean i i didn't really think much of it one way or the other honestly it was just just kind of another situation where where miles brennan was in the game and (laughs) it it wasn't wasn't really going to affect much of anything See, I mean, and here's here's Coach O in his Monday press conference on on the <clears throat> kind of the quarterback position and, and the future of Miles and Danny. Well, I, I think Danny's our starting quarterback, and uh, Danny's done a good job for us. And uh, to uh, we're going to finish the season. Danny's our quarterback. Uh, Miles would have to beat Danny out uh, on a play-by-play basis in practice. He'd have to play better than he, he would in a game. He hasn't done that yet. Uh, I would not give Miles a starting quarterback job just to get ready for next year. We got a lot of things to play for. We're thinking of one game at a time, and we want to have a very good year. For right now, Danny's our quarterback. And so, I mean, he says Atling's still the quarterback, and, and you know, he's just kind of getting, getting Brennan some experience in that situation. So I guess that you know he's touching on what touching on what you just <clears throat> what you just mentioned. It just and that's seems- it, I mean. That's the information we have right now. If if something changes with that, then maybe we have a little bit more of an answer of, all right. But as of right now, Coach O says Danny's the quarterback. Yeah. So that's what we've got to go with. And but it's just interesting to me because I think it it puts a lot of pressure. I don't know if that's pressure is the right word. It makes an uncomfortable position between Etling and, and Brennan. Etling, you know, he's obviously trying the best he can, but – it makes him, you know, is he going to go into the next game worried that if he makes one mistake that he's going to be pulled and Brennan's coming in and then Brennan doesn't know, you know, what his kind of role is moving forward. And so I think there's just a lot of question marks. That that position is going to be something that's interesting to watch moving forward. 
to see how they balance the quarterbacks from here on out because I mean not the season's over it's not by any means um, but you have three very winnable games down the stretch unless Alabama somehow loses to Mississippi State and Auburn uh, your your conference hopes are kind of dashed so again not that you don't have anything to play for but I mean Arkansas and we'll touch on them in a minute uh, a really struggling football team Tennessee the same A&M and the same all three of those might have new coaches by the time 2018 rolls around so I'm we again a topic we've discussed all season. I, I would not at some point. I would not be surprised if LSU gets a big lead and you start seeing more and more Miles Brennan as as the season moves on. Yeah, I know some people worry about the Arkansas game every year being on the heels of the Bama game and the way that that had gone in in some recent years where there's a letdown against Alabama and then the team just doesn't seem to get up for that next game against Arkansas. So I've been asked about that a lot the last couple of games. And, I I mean, most of those Arkansas teams are not teams that narrowly escape Coastal Carolina by one point. So I think <laughs> even on the heels of that LSU versus Alabama game going the way it went, uh, based on how much Arkansas is struggling and just the way the Tigers seem to be reacting and saying that they're not about moral victories, but – they like a lot of the way they played, and they they don't seem like they're quitting in any way. I, I mean, I think LSU bounces back and, and does get back on the right track against Arkansas. And then uh, you mentioned the other two teams that they will face the rest of the way also struggling. So they, they certainly have their opportunities to finish the regular season on a positive note. But in terms of SEC dynamics, I don't think the team that, that we just saw beat LSU is going to go out and – and lose lose these games, uh, lose enough games to make anything really matter. Uh, they've got mm-hmm. the, the two conference games left uh, that they would have to drop both of for LSU to be in any way in the equation in the West. Yeah, um, I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on – okay, the, so the, the postgame, here's the quote from Coach O about how, you know, LSU asking about the, the future of the LSU-Alabama matchup, and he says, you know, we're coming. Here's, here's that soundbite. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. I'm just curious on your thoughts. And, I mean, I know it's obviously way too early to be talking predictions on the line or anything with LSU-Bama, but do you think – I mean, he – it was a really aggressive quote. I mean, a really a, – a, a big quote, and it's the one that's going to linger, you know, for the the next year's matchup whenever that rolls around. You know, we're coming. We're, you know, not going to be scared, that kind of thing. I'm just curious if you think this should LSU be optimistic with the with the way this team play. I mean, essentially, you were a quarterback away from from beating Alabama in this game. You um, you were you played just as well as they did. The quarterback was the was obviously the the big difference in LSU's uh, struggles there. So do you do you feel more confident in these matchups and just going forward in general with the? I mean, the offensive line is going to be a year older next year, and the all those freshmen in the secondary on defense are going to be a year older. Um, is this is this approach with this Matt Canada offense finally being able to move the ball in some capacity? Do you feel a little more confident in what the the direction of these matchups becoming big time matchups again? Well, kind of like you said, there's so much that will happen in the next calendar year that it's tough to get too great of a read on it. But I I think what O is saying is is a positive thing in terms of just the team having that belief and the program not making the Bama game 
seem like this otherworldly thing or some insurmountable situation to keep it in perspective that really the last two years LSU Mm -hmm. has played Alabama better than I necessarily expected to be the case in a lot of ways I mean they still end up losing by 14 this time around by 10 Uh, but I thought a lot of positives could be taken from each of those matchups defensively I thought for the most part they were really strong uh, in both situations I did like some of the opportunities that the offense seemed to create for itself this time around that even though we, we mentioned some of the missed opportunities and so I I honestly do think I have more optimism for LSU moving forward in this LSU versus Bama series after seeing this Saturday and really the past two years than I necessarily had before and we'll see what kind of shakeup happens uh, between now and then would you know would guys really take huge steps forward in the off season, making sure that the coaching staff still look pretty similar, um, which freshmen maybe come in and, and really surprise because we've seen freshmen play a big role on this year's team for sure for LSU. So it's, like you said, it's, it's early to make predictions, but in terms of just a general vibe, I, I think there, there are some points of optimism to take. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, if you can hold on to Aranda as, as, as long as possible before he gets hired that's, somewhere else, that's, yeah, when I'm when I mention the potential of coaching shakeup, that's I look more at coordinators having the opportunities to be head coaches. That I'm not trying to say O's oh, not going to be right, there or something right. like that. Saban theoretically will be there. I mean, he's certainly not getting fired, um, <laughs> but we'll see what the the coordinators and assistant positions look like. Uh, and Aranda is one that came to mind. Yeah, and I mean, I really even Matt Canada, his offense the past what four four games has looked as as good as we've uh, LSU fans have kind of ex- expected or at least a lot better than it did the first three or four games and I think the more time they the offense as a whole spins in that system the better it's going to look so I think there are reasons um for for optimism in the future um but again we'll get get to that down the line let's go to players of the game for each one of us and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball um I'm going to go with with Daryl Williams He's been my guy all year. I've, I think I've picked him several times in this in this segment. But he had seven rushes for 83 yards, and I really like the the wildcat look that they did with with him and Darius. And I'm kind of hoping to see more of that um, um, into the future. Yeah, I like Daryl a lot as well. I mean, everything you just said, and really, I I thought you mentioned some of DJ Sharks misplayed situations or mm-hmm. questionable ones, particularly in special teams. But I thought that he played really well and had, I mean, offensively particularly, um, I thought he he was very, very into that game for the most part. Yeah. There were some other opportunities that if, if a ball was placed a little bit differently, his numbers could have been bigger. He ends up with three catches for 53 yards and was just, I think, was, was kind of a, a veteran leader for, for that offense against that highly touted Bama defense uh so he can be kind of like an honorable mention if we need to mention a second guy yeah and I'll, I'll always give a shout out I'm gonna give a shout out to Russ for another obligatory hurdle in the game <laughs> just gotta get gotta get one for a week uh defensively there was a couple guys that stood out to me I mean there's really there were so many um elements to, the, to this game the defense played superb um the entire night I thought I mean Arden Key by far looked the best that he's looked all year um just I mean he was in the backfield even the plays he didn't get a stat for whether it wasn't a, a sack or anything like that he um 
he was just just disruptive. Eight tackles, four of them was solo. Half a sack, 1.5 tackles for loss, and two QB hurries. He was just a force. That was the the Arden Key of old. But I, I want to give a um, honorable mention to Corey Thompson because I thought he had a really a really big game. With he had six tackles and a sack, tackle for loss. Uh, and uh, before the game, people were talking about who was going to be the the Dwayne Thomas of this year. And one of the guys that I said might fill that role is Corey Thompson. He didn't have quite as many tackles, but I thought he played a um, a big role as that sort of sort of a similar um, position. But those would be my my two. Yeah, I mean, same. Arden Key looked really good to to see him make some of the plays early was a big point of optimism, and he he kind of kept coming with it um, the the rest of the night. Corey Thompson, Devin White, who can pretty consistently be mentioned in in this conversation at this point almost every week. I just I thought all around the, the defensive front with Frank Heron getting into the mix along with Rashard Lawrence, Christian Lagator, Greg Gilmore, they did a pretty nice job up front and were, were pretty physical and, and allowed, just like we talked about last week, they allowed those those linebackers to really fly around and, and find some seams to get into the backfield and, and make Jalen Hurts work for for almost everything he got. Uh, so I was I was pretty impressed with with the linebacking core primarily, but a lot of other guys doing their jobs to allow that. Kevin Tolliver, I thought, had another yeah. nice game overall uh, after a lot of – I feel like the last four or five weeks the storyline has been, well, we didn't know what the heck Kevin Tolliver was doing for the first month of the season, but he looks pretty solid now, and it was the same sort of deal. But mm-hmm. for me, those those three linebackers were, were the standouts, uh, just just a little bit above everybody else. Yeah, I agree. And let's um, turn to Arkansas now. Uh, you mentioned they're playing around with Coastal Carolina. Ended up with a 1.39-38 win. Their second one-point win in the row. They eked one out against Ole Miss, 38-37. They're 5-4 and four overall, but this is a, uh, they're a struggling football team. Before that, they had three straight conference losses to South Carolina with some uh, ugly score lines. South Carolina beat them 48-22. Alabama crushed them 41 to nine, and Auburn dropped 52, um, beat them 52 to 20. The one thing that I guess, I mean, if you're looking, if LSU should win this game pretty handily. I believe the spread was about 18 points uh, when it opened. The the two things you can, if you want to have some kind of worry, which you shouldn't, but is the you mentioned the Alabama hangover, which has been was a problem in the past for some of those less miles teams. Don't expect expect that to happen this week especially under coach O, he's just um that's kind of been his forte uh but then that 11 a.m kickoff is a weird time and I know yep. a, lot of, a lot of LSU fans are not going to be pleased with that uh coach O said to put a little something extra in your coffee <laughs> I, I agree if I wasn't working I would be doing the same thing um but I guess I'm the, the biggest thing I'm looking for in this game is just sort of a bounce back and I would love to see a a definitive win like we've kind of talked about earlier in the year we're looking for a, a full 60 minutes and we thought we saw that against Ole Miss was the, the best that they looked all year and I, um if you're LSU you just want to you want to just close this this season out strong with three three solid victories get to a good bowl game and just kind of head into the offseason with them some positive momentum and this um Arkansas team is just is struggling struggling bad so I mean you you hope this can be the, the, the best, you know, the, the 60 minute game that, that LSU fans have been looking for. I think, I think we get a nice game from LSU. I, I mentioned just hearing some of what 
the coaches and players had to say and, and kind of trying to get a sense of their vibe coming off of that, that Alabama game. The 11 a.m. start probably worries me more than the idea of the Alabama hangover, yeah. uh, particularly after how well we saw them play at Arkansas last year under this coaching staff, or at least Owen Aranda and a lot of these guys that were here a year ago. And so I, I think that if they can wake up and be ready for this really early kick, which this is like the 12th time in the last five decades or something that they've had a kickoff this early, yeah. they, they have the potential to open things up and, and, uh, and make that, that 18 point spread come into question, whether they're going to win by 14 or 21 or right. something like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a run heavy team. Uh, Devo Whaley leads the team with, with 428 yards. Um, David Williams right behind him with 425. Uh, Cole Kelly, not not a huge threat through the air. He, he's only he's completing about. He's a big dude, though. He's everything dude. he does. He's he is, huge. He's a big dude. Uh, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, so I think you see somewhat of a similar game plan to Alabama. I mean, obviously you don't you don't have the uh, rushing threat that you would have with a, a Jalen Hurts, but you want to force Cole Kelly to beat you with his arm and not let these running backs get going. Um, and I think uh, I don't think LSU can have can have a field day offensively if they get some of these these playmakers involved and I hope I mean again like we just talked about I hope you see some of the the fun energetic Matt Canada style offense that you know we think before well, he was averaging what 60 points almost per game when he was at Pitt I think you might yeah. this, might, this might be the game I don't know if you're not that you'll score 60 but you'll get I think you'll get up there and have some fun with the offense and see some of these um, these playmakers get get involved how uh, I mean, how high do you end up seeing that that point total going? You want to get into prediction stuff? Yeah, let's. Um, you throw I, out a sixty a sixty number. I started nah, to think, oh man, nah, nah, nah. Mark's going big. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they can they can break forty. I'll give them like a I'll give them like a forty two to forty two to ten. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I I guess because of the early start, I don't. True. I don't know that I. I don't know. I. I could see it getting to that point. I do think they can win handily, though, because Arkansas is struggling quite a bit. But I was looking maybe like high 30s to to more mid-teens, 37 to 16, which at that point, I mean, it's just a matter of a couple plays that make the difference in the predictions. But uh, I'll, say, I'll say 37 to 16. 37-16, okay. Let's flip sports uh, just real quick. Um, this podcast is going to come out on Thursday, the 9th. LSU basketball opens the season at home Friday, November 10th, the start of the Will Wade era. Um, obviously, I will, the, I will wait for you. I will wait for you. It's, uh, it's never going to get old to me. Um, obviously, everyone's excited about about Will Wade taking over and all the energy he's bringing. And um, you know, the next year's recruiting class already looks uh, really strong. But I wanted to touch on this season uh, for now. Then a lot of turnover from last year's team to this year's team. Um, he brought in a lot of guys, uh, whether it's transfer guys or um, so he got some freshmen to sign, and he has a lot of turnover. Just getting his uh, people to buy into his to his system and what they're trying to do. They were picked last by the uh, by the SEC media to, to finish last in the conference. Um, I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think it'll take a a year or two to get you know, like I mentioned, Will Wade's system and. Uh, the guys he wants to run, what he wants to run back on the uh, at LSU, um, but I'm, I mean I'm excited for the year. I'm excited to see what the just at least 
a revitalized, re-energized um, team. Hopefully, the PMAC can get can get rocking a couple games a year. Um, and I, I don't know if you have any postseason expectations quite yet this year, but I think the future is is really bright. Um, I think he's done everything. Again, he hasn't. <laughs> the ball hasn't been tipped yet for the season, but I think he's done everything you can do right in a in an off season from where they were you know, six months ago to where they are now. Yeah, I think when you mentioned the excitement around the program, that's a big win already because the way last year went, or really I guess the last the last couple of years yeah. with all the hype surrounding Ben Simmons and and then the way that goes and just the struggles that that team has had the past couple of years with bigger name talent on the, the roster and big expectations for – a new coach who was, I thought, a potentially solid hire, but he's not a huge splash name either. For a new coach to come in on the heels of all of that and to get people as excited as they have been about the program again this quickly, I think is a really nice start for the Will Wade era. And they're, I mean, they're picked to finish 14th in the conference. I, I think they have the chance, just talking to some of the guys, I think they have a chance to be more competitive. They have they have some optimism to them right now, mm-hmm. too. And, you, I mean, you look at the roster, and you don't expect them to go out there and be competing for an SEC title by any means. But I think that they're going to have the potential to win some games that people don't think they're going to be able to win. And I think they're going to scare a couple of other teams along the way and uh, and, and push people a little bit more than – than necessarily would have been expected to be the case because uh, they I mean they do have some guys that can play some some basketball uh, on this team and we saw in the exhibition against Tulane they they fire up 24 threes and only hit on four of them they're going to shoot from distance quite a bit and on nights when that's working they're going to be difficult to deal with the whole live by the three die by the three yeah. dynamic uh, the two guys Will Wade keeps keeps hyping up, and I'm excited to watch. Or two guys we saw last year, but said they've been the most improved players on the team is is Duop Reith, the six eleven forward, and then a guy we saw in high school a lot, um, Baton Rouge guy uh, Skyler Mays. We saw him at U High, um, a really dominant point guard, and those two guys have been like. Well, here's a, a, a quote from Will Wade about <clears throat> about those two and, and their impact on the on the team this year. I told you Sky got better, he's gotten better. I told you Wops got better, he's gotten better. I told you Epps was the other guy who's gotten better. I promise you, he's gotten better. All right, those are the three most improved players. It showed when we played in a, in a in, I mean, Sky and Wop were our two leading scores. Epps would have been right up there with them. Those are our three. Those are our three most consistent, hardest working guys. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what Skyler can do. Yeah, as, as, I mean, the, all the talk is that he's improved drastically defensively. We, all, I mean, we saw what he could do offensively in high school, and just his between his his distributing the ball and getting to the getting to the hole and his basketball IQ. Um, he once he gets going, and if if his improvements is as as good as Will Wade's saying it could be, he could be a a, a real playmaker in the SEC. Yeah, they're gonna need him to be kind of people talk about like the the straw that stirs the drink sort of thing they're yeah. gonna need him to be really solid at that guard position and and show all this improvement that we hear about because we've we've seen him be a really talented and really uh cerebral basketball player since he was an eighth and ninth grader uh over at U high and so you knew there were there were going to be big potential and and now it's 
the expectations get that much bigger. Duop, from the moment he gets on campus, I started to hear how well-rounded and, mm-hmm. and good of a player he was. And if you see continued progress from him from last year, that's big. And then a guy coming off the bench, Brandon Rashaw, a freshman I know is a guy that there's a lot of optimism for what he can do, a true freshman out of Natchitoches Central. Uh, I don't know, in, in high school we always called him Breezy. If, if he can be <laughs> as good as what some of these older guys are thinking he can be for them as a sixth man type guy, seventh man type guy, then that can be a really nice boost for this team as well because um, they, they'll certainly they'll need a lot of guys to get involved on different nights to, to compete in this league. Yeah, and I think you mentioned uh, Brandon Rochelle. I think you see um, a lot of impact from all, from all the freshmen. Um, I think Jalen Alexander has a chance to, to see a lot of playing time. Mike Keir, we've heard a lot about. Um, and Tremont Waters, he's got a backup, a backup point guard. Uh, who uh, Will Wade got to sign? Um, I think all three of those guys are going to have a big impact. And that, I mean, if if you get all the all four of those to to stick around, you have a pretty stacked recruiting class in 2018 with Javante Smart, a kid out of Scotlandville, who again we've seen play in high school and kind of dominate uh, locally. Um, four four or five star kid, depending on where you're looking. Another point guard, and then uh, Naz Reed and Darius Days, a couple of power forwards. Naz is one of the top maybe five players in the, in the country, a potential lottery pick in the, if he, when he goes to the NBA, um, Darius Day is another, another big piece uh, down low. I think you're starting to see the foundation of a, of what could potentially be a, the most exciting time in LSU basketball since um, the John Brady days, whenever, you know, made a final four run. Um, so, so I think, I mean, I, temper some expectations for this year. I think it'll be improved from last year, but nothing, Nothing crazy, but I think you're, I think the foundation is laid this year, and, and it can really lead to a, um, a really exciting 2018-19 year. Yeah, the recruiting has been something that's been really intriguing to watch because one thing that I was interested to see how it would play out when they made the Will Wade hire is he had been a guy that he'd been rising up the ranks quickly enough that we only saw him be in places for two years, yeah. the last few stops that he'd had. And so you don't get to see what some of the program building dynamics might be and to see him get the type of commitments for this program despite the struggles that they've had the past couple of years I mean Reed was a huge get Javante Smart's a guy that you know he's he's got family here in town he's Mm -hmm. close to and they so you get to you can say that that plays a role in it um Nas is is a guy that I mean there's there's different rationale for him to come here too but from I mean basketball basketball standpoint for you to pull a guy from out of state and get him over in Arizona or like another power powerhouse program basketball wise I thought that was a big message of of how positive things can be in the future yeah I mean even to see LSU competing with the likes of the Dukes and Kentuckys and Arizonas of the world uh for recruits is is already a positive even the guys they don't they don't happen to get just to be see LSU's name listed there is is a good step in the right direction. And then once those guys start getting here, um, I don't know, man. I'm officially on the the Will Wade hype train. Sign me up. I'm the conductor. Let's let's, let's go. <laughs> the conductor. <laughs> and with that, we'll close out the 12th episode of the Tiger Pride podcast presented by Two Two Five Magazine. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Jarrett for being a part of the podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, if you didn't, questions, concerns, comments, let us know. 225batonrouge.com on facebook.com slash 225magazine and on Instagram and Twitter at 225batonrouge. We've got two more home games down the stretch, so be sure to follow us on social media for all your game day coverage, as well as Jarrett. He's on Twitter at Jarrett Roser and myself at Mark Clements 225 If you have any questions you want us to ask Coach O or the players, Uh, Anything you want pictures or videos of during the game, let us know and we'll take care of it for you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That's 225 Magazine or search for the Tiger Pride Podcast. We're on SoundCloud as well. Thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week.